Not the price that you feel like it should be listed for sale is, right? And I don't know about you, but I don't really need a, a 2001 karaoke machine or a high-low camper or a pool table. And so when I look at that, maybe I don't see $23,000. I see, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks because I don't really want any of that stuff, right? But the hard part about the game show is you can't think about what you value it as. You have to think about what the person selling it values it as. So that's what makes The Price is Right uh, an, interesting, an interesting show. And yes, I spent way too long this week editing Price is Right episodes to get a one-minute clip for you guys. So uh, I hope you appreciated that. I thought that was a good clip. <laughs> but it's really, really interesting uh, because it's, this show would be so much easier if we didn't all have a personal value on things. What makes the show difficult is that everybody has their own value, but you can't guess your own value. You have to guess the price that is listed by the sale. So I don't know, I kind of wanted to play a little game of The Price is Right as I was uh, thinking about this sermon today, and I, I didn't really know how to play a game of The Price is Right. And so then I started thinking about, and I, I went and asked Kyler at the beginning of, this, of church today for his truck keys. What is this, 2018? 2018 Chevy Silverado. Just the keys, no title, uh, you know, no transfer of paperwork, but if you have the keys, you got some power. I would think. It's parked in the parking lot, and you got to get back to Billings today? Okay, cool. So there's definitely some value in these keys. But as I was thinking about playing the game show The Price is Right, I realized that I didn't, I didn't really come up with a game show The Price is Right. What I came up with was an auction. So uh, basically, who's got cash with them this morning? <laughs> Anybody? All right, Bill's got cash. This might make it interesting. Here's the deal. This is not a game show for The Price is Right. This is an auction. Do I hear $10 for these keys? Kyler's, okay, we got $10. We got $10, 20 $20, $30, for $100. Let's go $100. Anybody got $100? Okay, cool. I need cash in your pocket, though, because I really need to make money today. $200. You got $200, Riley? All right, $300. I need cash today. Kyler's got $300. How much? I don't think you have cash. That's my whole thing here. I need money. $2,000? I don't think you have $2,000. Any real cash offers in your pocket today? All right, any final ones? Kyler, you got a final cash offer for these? 300 bucks? All right, let me see it. I need money. All right, good luck getting back to... Uh, Billings today. I'm going to take the rest of this too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. 300 bucks for real. Kyler can get home today. Uh, I gave Kyler $1,000 to bid on his own keys, and I'm glad we didn't get that high, so I took the rest of it back. Here's the thing. Even if you had cash today, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty fun to buy somebody else's car keys and see how they're going to get back to Billings. The, the question kind of comes in when you start hitting the hundreds of dollars, if it's that fun or not, right? It's probably $20 fun for me to take home Kyler's keys and see what we transpire with later. But for Kyler, whether I gave him money beforehand or not, it's probably worth a little bit more. Do you agree? You want to go home today? So it might be $100 fun to Bryce, but it's $300 fun to Kyler because he needs it. There's more value in his car keys because it's his truck. 
Value is a really, really important thing. And it should be a really, really important thing to us as Christians. Because value is an incredibly powerful word when we're talking about Christianity. Do you know why it's such an incredibly powerful word? Well, it's because God values us. God values us. And you know what he valued so much about us as humans? He valued it the price of his son. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says that you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. Here in Corinthians, Paul is talking to Christians about how they should live their lives. And in the middle of, of his book, both in, in chapter 620 here and 723 in the next chapter, he says, you were bought with a price, so this is how you should live. We were bought with a price. God thought we were valuable enough to buy us with a price. And I already gave it away, but what was that price? The price was the sacrifice of his son on the cross. The gospel message is summed up in that right there, right? 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the perpetuation of our sins. For our sins, I should say. What was the price? What was the cost? What was the value that God thought of people? Well, he loved them so much that he would offer his only son to pay the price for us. This is the price that God thought was right for our souls. And it's all throughout all throughout the Bible. You can see it in the Old Testament looking forward. You can see it in the New Testament looking back. Romans, Paul's writing to the church in Rome in chapter 8, verse 32, and he says, He who did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. Pretty simple sentence, but it still drives home the same point, that the price that God paid for our soul was his son. He did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. Just a few more chapters earlier in Romans chapter 5. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God valued humans so much. He valued souls so much that the gospel message can be summed up in the word value. He valued us so much that he would pay the price of murdering his only son on a cross for you, for me, for each and every one of us. He would pay the price. And I wanted to call today's sermon The Price is Right because you know what? God saw the price that was going to be paid. He saw the suffering that Jesus was going through. And at the end of the day, he said, the price is right. The price is right that my sin should die on the, or my son should die on the cross so that you can be welcomed into my kingdom. The price is right so that I can save your soul by murdering my son 
The price was right, and he paid it. I know it's so hard for us to fathom this, uh, this idea of sacrificing our own child, our own son, but that's exactly what God did, and he said, the price is right. The murder of Jesus was the price that was paid for our souls. And the price was right. The price was right. And the price was paid for us. But here's the thing. The price was right for God because he was willing to make that sacrifice. But the price was also right for you and me. Because you know what it cost us? It cost Jesus his life on the cross. It cost God the loss of his son. And they said the price is right, but it cost us absolutely nothing. Romans 6.23, I'm hanging out in Romans a lot today. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's one little four-letter word, free, but it means a whole lot. We didn't have to pay the price to become one with God. We didn't have to pay the price for our sins. We couldn't pay the price. You can read the whole Old Testament, and if you want to put it in this simple of terms, you could see that they had to make atonements. They had to pay prices for the sins that they stumbled into or they willingly entered. And you know what? The price was never enough. Time and time again, they'd have to make a sacrifice, pay an atonement, pay the price again and again, and the price was never enough. But God paid it once and for all. He said the price is right, and then he offered the gift to us at the price is right as well. Free. Free. This is something that we could never pay for. This is something that we could never, never afford, if you want to use that term. And instead, it was given to us as a free gift. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God. Just driving home the point that this is not something that we paid for ourselves. This is not something we did ourselves. This was a gift. You know the cool thing about a gift? A real gift you never buy for yourself, right? Sometimes we like to say, oh, it's Christmas time. I'm buying myself a gift. No, that's not really a gift. A gift is freely given. And what, what, what participation do you have in a gift is taking it. It's free. And that's exactly what salvation was for us. It was, a, it was a gift. It was free. All we have to do is take it. We don't pay for it. And so for us, the price is right as well. Free is my favorite thing. Free is my favorite thing. The price was right for God, and he said it was worth it, and the price was right for us because it was free. The price is right. And I thought the price is right would be a really kind of catchy sermon title today because I could have a fun little clip and maybe it'd stick in your brain. If you remember anything today, I want you to remember that the price was right for God that he would sacrifice his son. He said it was worth it the highest price that could ever be paid. He said it was worth it. I also want you to remember that the price was right for us because it was free. And if that's all you remember because of a game show title, I have succeeded. But really what I want to talk about today, and I've already mentioned it, is this idea of value. Because the value that God gave us 
as humans, as souls, was so high that he killed his son. So how does that change our lives if we're Christians? What does that mean for us? Because we were valued so high, does that change what we value in this life? I sure hope it does. I sure hope it does. Because when we become Christians and we've been given this free gift that God paid the ultimate price for, I think our value system changes a little bit. And like I said about the price is right, we all have different values. But I think Christians' values should change a little bit. It's kind of a tricky question. Because like Kyler's car keys, they might have been worth $100 to Bryce, but they were worth a whole lot more to Kyler. He had more value in his pickup keys than the rest of us did in a joke. Because it was more important to him that he get home than it was for the rest of us to tease him a little bit. What's the value? What, what should be a value in a Christian's lives? Value plays, plays a role in so many different ways, and I don't think we, we realize this. We value things every day, and how we value them changes how we live our lives. If we value one thing more than another, we do that thing. If we value something uh, higher than another, we buy that thing. It changes our entire lives with the way that we value things. But let me ask you some questions. Do we value Wednesday night Bible study? Or do we value our kids' sports game on Wednesday night? I don't know. It's a tough question, right? Which one do we value? They're both important. Do we value uh, one more episode on Netflix? Or do we value a chapter in the Bible before bed? It's a good value question, right? Do we value going to sleep right when we, we go to the bed, or do we value spending an hour in prayer and falling asleep in prayer to God? What do we value? Do we value going on that, that trip we're so excited for? Do we value that, or do we value meeting with the church on Sunday? Because sometimes those can be opposites, can't they? Do we value that project that I need to get done? Or do I value that project that that sister in the church needs done for her? What do we value? Do we value sharing our struggles and our trials with the church? Or do we value coming into a church building and sitting down in a pew and looking like we're just all right? I don't know. Which one do we value more? Which one do we value? Do we value coffee time back there, or do we value studying the Word of God in here? Value is important in every piece of our life. We tend to think about it in terms of money, but it goes so much further than money. It's about how we live our lives. So my question again is, as Christians, do our values change a little? I hope they do. I hope they do, because as Christians, we want to ask the question of, what's the value in God's eyes? Not what's the value in my eyes, because if we start thinking like that, we're never going to align with God's value. So today I want you to remember, God paid the ultimate price. He said the price was right. We were given it for the ultimate price of free, but now we get to look at the whole world in a different value. And I want to give you just a couple of examples of things that I think God says that we should value as Christians that we may not have valued before. 
And you can read the Bible and you can find a whole bunch of, whole bunch of things that we are told to value. But I wanted to give you some broad perspective ones. I think that God is telling us that as Christians, we should value being in the Word. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I love the wording here in Colossians chapter 3. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Sometimes we're just like, hey, this is the Word of Christ. It is what it is, right? Paul is writing to the church in Colossae, and he's saying, let it dwell in you richly. Let it, let it change your life. And once it's changed your life and it dwells deep within you, go and teach it and admonish one another in all wisdom. This is all wisdom right here. So we got to be in the Word. God's saying you, the value that you should have as a Christian is to be in the Word, and it'll change your life. You will have thankfulness. You will be singing songs. You will be teaching one another. We've got to be in the Word. Don't believe me? You can find it all over Scripture. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. I picked this verse to put into, in, in this section of being in the Word because it says whatever is written in former days, and we can find ourselves falling into the trap of being New Testament Christians that only read the New Testament sometimes, right? But if you, you read this verse that was written to New Testament Christians like you and I, and I think Paul is talking not only about the things he's teaching, but he's talking about the written Word that they had, which was what? We'd call it the Old Testament. Even the Old Testament is fruitful for our instruction. And if we're in the Word, we can get encouragement through the Scriptures. If you need a reason, it's hope right there at the end, so that we might have hope. So we need to value being in the Word, not just so we know it, not just so we teach it, not just so we're thankful, but also that we might have hope. Very, very valuable. I'll give you one more from Hebrews. Hebrews is such a cool book. We don't, we don't know exactly who wrote Hebrews. But these, these people in, in the book of Hebrews, the Hebrews, <laughs> are struggling with going back to the ways of the old law. But they're Christians. So all of that has passed away. Jesus has fulfilled it. And so they're struggling with what it looks like to be a Christian. And this is what the Hebrew author says to them in Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, Christians who are struggling with being Christians were written this, this little weird thing about the word of God, we get this, this weird description about it being like a weapon. Like, it, like, it's a, like it's a weapon. But if we value the word, it can be a weapon. It can be a double-edged sword. What's it do? It's kind of a little wordy here at the end, right? But what's it do as a two-edged sword? Well, it divides the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. Okay, what does that mean? 
I don't know, that sounds really weird. Well, when I read it, I'm like, okay, the word of God being a living sword will help me divide what God wants me to do and what my body wants me to do. What the world wants me to do versus what righteousness wants me to do. And it'll discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You ever wonder what you want to do and what you need to do and what your heart's telling you to do? That's kind of a catchphrase, right? What's my heart leading me to do? The Word of God can help you discern the difference between Satan in the world and God in righteousness. Oh yeah, and I forgot my favorite part about this verse here in Hebrews. The Word of God is living and active. Does that mean anything to you? It means a whole lot to me. You know, I talk to people sometimes, and they're like, I've read this book. We're going to, at the end of the year here, we'll say, if we've been doing the one-year Bible, we read this book. I know it. Here's the thing. You can't know something that's living and active because it's always changing, and so there's always new things to learn. That's pretty powerful. And that's why you can open up the Word of God and be like, I've read, I've read this chapter, this verse before, and wow, God is speaking to me in it today. I don't know how it works. All I know is that it's living and active and sharp as a two-edged sword that can help us discern our wants versus God's wants. So something we should value is being in the Word of God. I promise I'll go faster through the next ones here. I think we should value prayer. I'll give you the simplest verse out of the Bible that you can have today, right? Three words. Pray without ceasing. It's not pray without ceasing if you want to. Pray without ceasing when you feel bad. It's not pray with sometimes. It's pray without ceasing. It's a command that is so simple but yet so hard. Something I think we should value as Christians is prayer. Well, why might we want to value prayer? It's our communication with God. We can read his words and we can see how they're changing in the, in the word of God. But if we don't talk to God back, where are we going to get? God wants to hear from us. He wants to hear the groanings of our heart. He wants us to pray without ceasing. This is a command. So something I think we need to value as a Christian is prayer. I also think this one's pretty important, fellowship. And it's kind of, that's a churchy word, you know. You don't go out to Walmart and say, man, I'm fellowshipping with the whole community in here as we're buying, you know, Cheez-Its and chicken nuggets at Walmart. Nah, you know, we don't use that, right? It's a churchy word, but what, what's it mean? Well, it's kind of described here in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. This one another that's being talked about, this is Christians encouraging other Christians. They're supposed to encourage and build one another up just as you are doing. So we get the challenge of what we need to do in fellowship, but we also get the challenge that that's already what we're supposed to be doing, so keep doing it. Uh, there's, there's a lot of verses that you could go to about what does fellowship look like when you're talking about Christians on Christians being brothers and sisters. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What does fellowship look like? Well, it looks like taking care of one another to the degree where you bear their burdens for them at times. Fellowship. 
This one, you get it two weeks in a row because I used this verse last week as well. It's just, it's fitting both ways. Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This verse is about fellowship. It's about stirring one another up to love and good works and not dodging the opportunity to actually fellowship together. Sure, this is a good verse to use to tell somebody they need to come to church because they haven't been here in a month, but it's deeper than that. It's deeper in saying we need fellowship. We need to stir one another up like we're a big boiling pot of God to make love, to make love. So I think fellowship is something we should value. And I promise I'm almost done, but I've got, I've got a big one. I've got a big one right here at the end. There's so many things that we are supposed to value. I thought Psalm 146 was interesting because it kind of hits like three more that I'm not going to talk about today. But Psalm 146, verse 9, The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. It's almost like we're supposed to value the foreigner and the fatherless and the widow. I don't know. Dig through your Bible. I bet you'll find some stuff on that. But the biggest thing that I think we should value because we're Christians is souls. God said the price is right and he sacrificed his son on the cross. He obviously valued souls, you, me, people, more than anything because he killed his son for it. He let his son be killed. And he said the price is right. So I think for us as Christians, we need to value souls kind of at the same level that God values souls. And we are given a call to do that. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, you probably know it. It's really famous, right? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of of the age. We are called to value people. Not just because they're people. Not just because, you know, they're made in the image of God like us. We're not called to value people because they're people. We're called to value people because they're souls. These two verses right here talking about making disciples of all nations, this is a soul focus. This, This gives us the picture of how we are to go into all the nations and care about all the souls and bring everyone to Christianity that we come in contact with. Souls. But here's the thing. I can get up here as, a, as your preacher <laughs> and tell you, you know, we're supposed to value everyone as a soul, but then we leave here and we get back in the car and we start to see people as people again and not souls. When somebody does you wrong and you feel cheated, it's really hard to think about them as a soul instead of a person that has done you wrong or cheated you. When somebody cuts you off in traffic or like doesn't use their blinker, that one drives me crazy. Oh, wait, they're a soul. Not just a person, they're a soul. You got to think about souls. And it's really, really difficult sometimes. I'll give you a really dumb little example from my life, and you can make fun of me later for this. Uh, you and my therapist both can. Okay. Um, I, I hate 
stores. Like the grocery store, medium okay. Walmart, medium terrible. Hobby Lobby, Hell's Gates. Like that's the worst, right? I, and and it's, it seems absurd, but like I get extremely anxious going to stores. I hate it. I'll do really good if I have my thing that I go in and I get out, right? And sometimes I even have headphones in. That's my, my thing. But here's, here's the terrible thing about stores in, in a medium small town like this. I always see somebody at the store. Hi, Bryce. Yeah, I see everybody at the store. Um, yeah, Bryce and I were starting to make a game of it at Walmart like last month. Every time I go someplace, I see somebody at the store. It doesn't matter if I go to Smith's. It doesn't matter if I go to Walmart. It even happens in Casper sometimes. I saw, I saw Esther at Ross. I don't know why she was there, but we were both getting pants or something. And here's the silly thing. I don't want to talk to you because I don't even want to be in that store. I hate it. But I see you across the store and I think, huh, that's a brother and sister in Christ. That's a soul. And I think God kind of teases me, and he remembers to remind me, <laughs> ha, Harold gets to practice this little thing he hates. And so I'm not going to say every time, but we'll, we'll give myself a 90% of the time, I will come and talk to you, even though I hate being in that store. And I hate that I saw you there, because that means I'm going to be there longer. It's thinking about souls. God teases me with it all the time at Walmart for some reason, because people are souls. It's all about the value. I have to make the choice to value a Christian brother or sister or somebody I know from the community and let them know that I love them in this community, in the name of Jesus. I have to value that more than I value getting out of Walmart because it's the worst. I have to think about the value because it's all about the value. What's the value of bringing somebody to Christianity? What's the value of telling somebody about Jesus? You know, we use the word value, and it's so hard as Americans not to think about money. Because that's what we say when we think value, money. But really, what, what's the value? If you have the opportunity to buy a Bible and maybe some materials and send them to somebody, and it costs $100. Is that worth it? They could become a Christian. You could save a soul just by buying a Bible and some materials, right? I'm, I mean, yeah, it's probably worth $100. What if it took $500 to buy some camera equipment and record some videos and put them on the Internet, and you'll, you might reach people all over the world? Is it worth it? $500, though, I mean, that's starting to be a lot of money. What about, a, like, $1,000? What if it took $1,000 to put up a billboard that just said, Jesus loves you? Could change someone's life. Is it worth it? What if it took $5,000 to buy uh, some single mom a car because she can't get her kids to school and she can't get to work? And you say, here's a car, Jesus loves you. $5,000. Is it worth it? I don't know. What's the value? 
It's a hard question when we start getting real about it in our lives, isn't it? And I was going to give you examples of more than $5,000, but my brain literally cannot comprehend anything more than $5,000 because that's a whole lot of money at that point. $5,000 is a whole lot of money. I can't. $10,000, $20,000, $100,000. What's the maximum price on a soul? Well, God said, Jesus murdered on a cross. The price is right. The price is right. And so it's really hard for me to put a monetary value on a soul because God put an entire life of his only begotten son and he said the price is right. And then he gave it to us for free. So that's what I want you to take home today. If you're a Christian, I want you to think about how we value things, how we value people, and what the price for a soul is. Because the price that God thought was worthy of your soul was his son dying on a cross. And if you're not a Christian today, I want you to know that you're valued that highly. We live in a time and a place where people are sometimes told that they're not valued. But you know what? You are. God valued you so much that he paid that price for you. And he said the price was right and he gave it to you for free. So just take the gift. Take the gift. So if you want to become a Christian because God paid the price for you, find one of these Christians around you and uh, ask them if they value your soul and would like to tell you about Jesus because the price was right for Jesus to die on the cross. He gave it to us for free. Thank you, guys. Let's sing another song.